Hey, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and this podcast is going to be a review of a banned book. That's right. And actually, this is a book which is literary unobtainium. That's right. You can't get it anymore. Not via official channels. Anyways, so perhaps you'll find this podcast useful. So there's a article that is attached to this podcast. You can find it linked below wherever you're listening to this podcast. And this article includes some pretty cool graphics that I put together, some some nice imagery, some ironic memory that I think you might appreciate if you're familiar with the uh, writing and work of Rouge V. And I am so delighted to be joined by my wife. Hello, everyone. For this book review. Oddly enough, I read this book with my wife. I'm really not sure why we did that. So I will tell you why. Okay, okay. Tell us at the end. Tell us at the end. Okay. So game by Rushvi is a comprehensive game textbook for the modern seducer from the internet's most infamous pickup artist. I guess at this point, uh, formerly infamous pickup artist. I've read and followed Rushvi for some time. I don't agree with him on everything, but I've had a similar path of personal development and find him very insightful. I, myself, Jonathan Roseland, am a case study of the effectiveness of game. I was an awkward young man who really struggled with women for a long time, but then I devoted myself to the art of seduction, resulting in a rowdy and memorable sex life across three continents. And I got married to a lovely Bulgarian woman. That would be you. Mm-hmm. And funnily, my wife wanted to read this book with me. So we spent several evenings cuddled up reading this book to each other next to the firelight. And we discussed it, which is, you know, if you're a married person, if you're a person in a relationship, if you want to try something new, if you want to switch things up, you know, read a book with your partner, read it to each other. It's kind of one of these, uh, these uh, throwback old school kind of intimate kind of things. So this book differs from previous Rouge V books that I enjoyed in that it is really a textbook that meticulously breaks down the steps and nuances of the art of seduction from initial approach to penetration. I enjoyed some of his previous books more than this one because they were entertaining memoirs of his adventures and misadventures seducing exotic women in South America and Europe. Game is a bit more of a dry read, frankly. It's not peppered with salacious anecdotes of the author's nocturnal conquests. 
So I feel the need to address the game skeptical. Many men and women are skeptical of game or the value in learning to become a better seducer in a way that people might learn to play the piano, program computers, or do yoga. They just find the whole pickup artist thing cringy to use snarky internet parlance. They find the pickup artists they see on the internet as uh, dorky, tryhard, and unappealing. They are resistant to devoting time to cultivating the art of seduction and just kind of believe that attraction and sex should happen naturally. I'll quote from the book. On the surface, it seems crazy that a man has to put in massive amounts of work in order to have sex with a woman he wants. But men don't you but men who don't use game, who toil in jobs or businesses to accumulate money and fancy cars in order to impress women are doing the same thing. They're just relying on provider game that used to work before women made their own money or had a wide choice of who to date. And we should describe provider game here. Roosh makes the point that those men who don't learn game will be relegated to working a lot harder in their careers to make themselves more economically attractive. In the current year, this is a highly non-optimal strategy. If your goal is just getting laid, making more money won't help that much. I'll actually repeat that again because it's a good point. If your goal is just to get laid more as a guy, making more money won't help that much. Even what? Unless... You want to get laid by a hooker. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Depends upon her prices. Mm -hmm. Even if you hope to enter a long-term relationship, your material success or provider game doesn't help that much, especially if you're pursuing relatively empowered women in a cosmopolitan city. Roosh defines provider game as... Provider game is where a man displays that he's a good catch through his resources, stability, chivalry, spirituality, and character. Therefore, if your default game is based on displaying your provider status and stability, you will experience a spectacular inability to get laid. Traditionally-minded girls, which are rare will find these classically virtuous qualities attractive, while most modern women will almost totally disregard them. Although women do want both providers and lovers. Sapient seducers have pointed out that in dealing with women, if you begin by portraying yourself as a provider, you will always be a provider in her eyes and will be treated poorly if you begin exhibiting classic lover behavior. She'll be much more attracted to you and envision a future together if you can slowly transition into being the provider she 
desires. You can never transition from provider to lover. And to illustrate this, I want you to think about the most popular romance movie of all time. What was that? Titanic? Yes, that would be Titanic. The heroine of the movie, Rose, who uh, showed her supple boobies to billions of us. We all remember those boobies, don't we? So Rose is engaged to marry a very rich provider male in the movie who will give her a very comfortable life. But she quickly abandons and cheats on him with an exciting lover, Jack, uh, which was Leonardo DiCaprio looking like he's about 14 years old. And he offers her nothing but a good time and a romp in the backseat of a car. Clearly, it's Hollywood propaganda encouraging casual, impulsive sex and feminism, but it's a great illustration of the lover versus provider dynamic. And I created a great little meme for this that shows that scene of the movie where you've got the four characters and Rose is with the lover instead of the provider. Yeah, babe. I just wanted to say that the provider in the movie turns out to be a total asshole in the end. Yeah, I would contend that that's kind of, that's the propagandistic angle of the phone, of the movie that they want to show providers as negative. That would be kind of, that would be kind of my, my take on that. But yeah, that's, that's what happened in the movie. Yeah, because he's a total egotistical and selfish asshole. Yeah, however, you have to look at his situation. He kind of, oh, geez, we'd have to watch this movie again to say to say for sure. But he, I can tell you for sure what you want to know. Okay, okay. He had his his fiance stolen from him, so he never loved her in the first place. Yeah, but they were he like only wanted the heart of the ocean. Yeah, but so he kind of had a good excuse to be an asshole because he was a, you know, he had his fiance stolen from him. I'd be kind of an asshole too if someone stole my fiance, you know? Yes, but eventually he was portrayed as a very selfish and egotistical man, like I said. Yeah, which is, well, it fits with his character, you know? Yeah, remember what he did? He lied that he was a little girl's dad so he could be in a lifeboat. Oh. That he could be saved. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because they all said children and women first. Yeah. And because someone else told him that he had to stay on the ship instead. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So he said, this is my daughter. And he got in the yes. lifeboat. That's why he got the little girl because she was lost and her parents were nowhere to be seen. So he grabbed the little girl, went to the, uh, to yeah. the boat. Yeah. Yeah. He hopped in the lifeboat at that point. Yes. Well, I will say in defense of aristocratic assholes everywhere, I'd probably do the same thing. Really? Well, yeah, that girl needs someone. She needs someone. She might die if she doesn't get put in the lifeboat. So what are you going to do? 
Well, why didn't he just give her to a lady? Yeah, that's true. That would have been, of course, the more chivalrous thing to do. Okay, my own experience totally confirms the upside and optionality of being a lover instead of a provider. When I met my wife right here, I told her that I was a drug dealer. Well, actually a smart drug dealer. And I generally acted kind of like a player, taking my time to call her back, flaking on dates a few times, which she totally disliked, uh, yet still became quite infatuated with me. Over time, I grew more committed and serious about the relationship. Now I listen to her talk about her feelings. I pay for groceries and that fancy goat cheese that we love. And I call you back very, very promptly. Yet she remains, you remain as infatuated as ever, if not, <laughs> if not more so. I even, I even got him the best present. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's called I... a love book. <laughs> Or a lo yeah. The love book. Yeah. Yes, the love book. Yeah. You guys will want to check out my... I posted this on my minds.com video account, the, a little tour of this amazingly creative and thoughtful, customized uh, book that she created that illustrates our own kind of love story together. And you probably put like 10 hours of work into that thing. Mm -hmm. It was really pretty, pretty amazing. So <laughs> certainly more, more infatuated than ever before. So I'm not infatuated, John. Infatuation is something ephemeral. Ooh, okay, okay. So uh, my wife is a quintessential virtuous woman by oh, thank you. almost every single measure by which uh, quote unquote red pill men judge women, but still, lover game worked wonders. So it would seem that a recipe for Uh, joyful, passionate, long-term relationships would be to carefully select a woman who is a bit more traditionally minded, spend the first six months or so of the relationship in lover mo mode, not treating her like a perfect gentleman, but also showing her glimpses of your virtuous side, have a lot of good sex so that she becomes oxytocin bonded to you. That's very important, guys. Muy give, importante. Give the girl a good bang. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she'll she'll be really into you. Mm -hmm. I can assure you. Yeah. So after the oxytocin bond is quite strong, then you want to slowly start acting a bit more like a provider, which should really just kind of come naturally. And I, I would say if you, you know, if you are dating a girl that's, that's a girl from a decent family that seem to have decent morals, who's, you know, a bit religious, a bit spiritual, who has some, some standards, I would say, you know, don't uh, abuse game too much by, wasting her time and staying in lover mode for more than half a year. I think anything more than half a year is that's really just kind of wasting people's time. And life is, life is short. So please don't, please don't waste decent women's times. Actually so, six months, John is a, is a very long time. 
for a woman who wants a long-term relationship? That's a long time or a short time? Six months without commitment is a very long time. Okay. Okay. You know, a woman normally would not wait for a guy to, to commit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I'm a big fan of things like happening fast. You know, I think if you're a, if you're a quintessential masculine man, you should seek to accomplish things fast. You shouldn't, you're not, you're not about dilly dallying in any other domain of your life when it comes to work, when it comes to career, when it comes to health, fitness, or do you do a ton of dilly dallying? If not, don't, don't dilly dally in your relationships with, with women. So going on, let's talk about, do you even lift bro? <laughs> Which is uh this is a funny thing that Roosh said at one point to a, a mainstream media news reporter. So Roosh in the book emphasizes the importance of weight lifting as a seducer. Men report that the most improvement to their horniness and energy results from lifting weights, probably because it mirrors the physical exertion our ancestors had to do. If there's one keystone habit that will improve your results with girls, apart from actually interacting with them, it's lifting weights. Yeah, this seems to be pretty consistent. I've been in uh, 26 different countries now, and I met up with real cool RSD kind of guys, guys that are into seduction in all of these places who are actually guys that did pretty well with girls and almost all of them lifted weights. It's a real, it's a real commonality that draws the line between men and boys that draws the line in between the guys who are doing game, who are really spinning their wheels and really just taking rejection after rejection after rejection. And the guys that are actually getting places and enjoying an abundant sex life. So, hey, it's the beginning of the year. If you're not in the gym, if you're not lifting, get 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 to it. And come to think of it, this Sunday, I will resume with my weightlifting because I took a, a month off to uh, let a little, little injury in the back of my shoulder uh, work itself out. But with your uh, loving massages, it's feeling a lot better. Next, let's talk about rejection. The endeavor of seduction is rife with rejection, but Roosh points out that really rejection is not that bad. It's a small price to pay to enjoy women in your life. Quote, on a scale of one to a hundred, getting painfully rejected by a girl is at most a seven compared with the difficulties your male ancestors had to face. So he's saying that out of a out of a hundred being the worst difficulty that our ancestors had to face, getting rejected by a woman is uh it's not even 10%. It's like a seven out of a hundred, which is a pretty good point. Quote, a persistent man who doesn't let rejection phase him will do far better than the man with tight game who isn't persistent. That's uh, that's great. Let me repeat that. A persistent man who doesn't let rejection phase him will do far better than the man with tight game who isn't persistent. 
And then the next point, kind of counterintuitive, he says, approach less women. Roosh advises screening and filtering a bit more with your cold approaching as opposed to approaching any girl you find remotely attractive. Quote, the more girls I approach, the worse my success rate. If I cold approach 10 hot girls a day, I may get the phone number of only one girl who will eventually flake on me. However, if I warm approach only two girls a day, I may also get one number. But now I have a high chance of getting sex. So he finds that approaching 20 women in a venue or over the course of an afternoon and being rejected by 15 is detrimental to his motivation and mood. Whereas filtering for girls that indicate attraction makes approaching a whole lot less daunting. This advice is probably more relevant to veteran pickup artists and those who are new to game should aim to get a hundred cold approaches under their belts. So if you're newer to it, then you kind of just want to get a ton of experience, get a ton of rejection under your belt. Quote, successful game is less about creating something from nothing and more about noticing <clears throat> when something is already there and then taking advantage of it. And this requires heightened awareness of women's eye contact with you. Quote, the girls who hold eye contact for at least two seconds have very high attraction for you. And let's discuss indirect game. Roosh leans towards favoring indirect game, which is not being explicit and clear upfront about your attraction for a girl. Direct game is walking right up to a girl and saying, Hi, I found you very cute and just wanted to say hello. I'll quote from the book. A man will get at least a phone number if he goes indirect on a girl he could have gone direct on, but he may not get a number if he goes direct on a girl that he could have gone indirect on. This is why I recommend that you lean towards indirect game because it's easy to implement versatile safe to use in anti-male environments, and you won't lose girls who have high attraction to you. This is something that seducers debate endlessly around. A lot of women will categorically reject direct game, but direct game communicates admirable boldness and confidence that some women will find very sexy, sexy, sexy. Sexty. Sexty is what we do sometimes with the messaging apps. Mm -hmm. Again, neophyte seducers should go direct more often to break through their comfort zones and get comfortable with grappling with their psychological resistance to cold approach. Whereas more experienced men will uh, be able to start an innocuous conversation about local cafes or whatever with a woman but communicate their attraction non-verbally and then smoothly transition into what's a prelude to a date. Next big point out of the book is that you should abstain from porn. 
Unsurprisingly, Roosh is not a big fan of porn. Quote, when it comes to game, the problem with porn is that it wastes your horniness, which is the fuel that feeds the game fire. Unless you're a very young man, you'll find porn usage detrimental to your motivation when it comes to enjoying the opposite sex. And you'll want to check out a documentary that I did, which is called The Journey from No Fab to Tantra. And I link to that uh, documentary. I've got it embedded in this article. So this book is kind of like a conservative right-wing seduction manifesto. Pickup and dating gurus are a dime a dozen on the internet. And I think many of them espouse advice, which ignores the rapidly changing and increasingly toxic cultural environment in which seduction occurs. Roosh V writes from a conservative right-wing traditional perspective for men who are seducing in an increasingly hostile environment. Gone are the days when a man could hit on a woman in a mall, uh, compliment a sexy barista working at a cafe, bump and grind with a scantily clad girl in a nightclub, or have a booze-fueled casual hookup with a girl at a house party, and afterwards be totally free of concern that he might face legal consequences for these kind of inelegant manifestations of masculinity and heterosexuality. I'll quote from the book. It would not be an exaggeration to state that the relations between the sexes are the worst they've ever been, with both women and men developing a genuine animosity for each other. It's very sad isn't it? This book does more than just bemoan the decline of traditional sex roles and the rise of tyrannical feminism, though. It soberly discusses the risks of being a seducer in the current year and presents a methodology for thriving sexually despite these forces. I'm not sure if I would recommend this book highly to men who solely desire to be promiscuous players. At the beginning of the book, he makes the point that life as a seducer is one hell of a hedonic treadmill. You'll derive a lot more pleasure in the accomplishment of seducing your 10th woman than you will your 100th. In fact, he doesn't recommend that men aim to seduce much more than about a dozen women in their lifetimes, as it will hurt their capacity to pair bond meaningfully with one woman in a long-term relationship or marriage. If you're a single man who is interested in marrying a traditional woman one day and having a family, you should probably read Game. If you're committed to the player life and hope to just accumulate as many notches on your bedpost as possible, 
then the real social dynamics YouTube channels are probably better. Although I will note those YouTube channels have kind of gotten watered down in recent years. Also, I think those guys are probably trying to CYA a bit because of the, the, the type of standards that YouTube has right now and because of some of the crazy laws that they have in certain European countries. So this book is banned. Game and nine of Rush's other books have been banned from Amazon, along with a number of other platforms. If you're the kind of person that wants to see, know, and read what you're not supposed to know about, you'll probably want to read this book. It's actually a totally reasonable book that doesn't contain any vitriolic content that a reasonable person would consider hate speech. Rush's take on this is that major corporations and globalist governments worldwide are conspiring to discourage heterosexuality among white people of European extraction. Whether this is true or not, banning of reasonable books is a concerning sign of the declining state of freedom and our loss of free speech, which Roosh explored philosophically in his earlier book, which was called Free Speech Isn't Free. That came out, I think, maybe about three or four years ago. And I did a review of that book actually inside of the most iconic bookstore in the world. It's a really cool bookstore that's located in Venice, Italy. And so you'll want to check out the video version of that review. Despite my wife's interest, (laughs) I wouldn't recommend this book to women. There's not much Uh, material in it that I think would offend reasonable women. I just don't think that they would find it all that interesting because, again, it's a fairly uh, dry and, and technical without much storytelling or flowery prose in it. I realize a lot of women are also confused and frustrated with the perverse state of modern dating, and they'll want to read the book Lady, which is a book that Roosh actually wrote specifically for women. And I do link to that in this article. So if you are of the fairer sex, I'm a little bit surprised that you're listening to this podcast, but maybe you'll want to check out the book Lady. How many pages long is it? 114 in EPUB. Aha. Yes, you just got it. So you'll be reading it. And then you'll be uh, synopsizing it, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. Well, I'm Jonathan with... I want to say something. Go ahead. Well, in the beginning, I told you that I remember why we read Game together. Oh, yes. Yes. It was because you were writing your book. That's right. And you said that you wanted to read the book, but I wanted to read it together. Yeah. So that's why you wanted to read the book in the first place, because you were writing your own one. Was it my 15,000 word article about virginity? Yes. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I did it as a research for my, Mm -hmm. uh, my article, actually one of my top performing articles, I think it's been read well over a hundred thousand times now about the 33 steps that virgins can follow. If you're a man and you're frustrated, follow these 33 steps and you will lose your virginity in a meaningful way. And so it was some research for that article. And it was like a little book. It was, of course, a pleasure to cuddle up with you and spend several evenings reading Roosh's book. And like Mm -hmm. I said, this book is discontinued. Roosh had a quite the religious conversion, and he decided that it was inappropriate to sell this book anymore, which I don't really agree with because I found very little in the book that would offend Christian sensibilities. I'm a Christian and I didn't find it offensive. I, in fact, think it could be helpful to Christian men and I'd recommend it to them. But the author chooses not to sell it anymore. So you're just going to have to get your internet sleuthing on and go find it out there wherever it is because the the internet forgets no written word. Anyways, I'm Jonathan. And I'm his wife. And we look forward to a continued conversation with you.